0: Hello and welcome to everyone today. This is the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. My name is Irvin Nugent, and I am delighted to welcome uh, my co-host, Bridget Tire. Bridget, how are you doing today? I am doing
1: great. It is a beautiful, sunny day. Spring has sprung. There's no reason to complain about anything. And I'm very excited about our topic.
0: I am too, because today's topic is all about setting healthy boundaries. How to know where I end and you begin. And as always, you know, we have tried to look at leadership through the lens of being in a system, relationship systems. And this is a perfect topic to do that. You know, Healthy boundaries are all about negotiating relationship systems. So we're really going to dig into this. And as always, stick around. We have a wonderful practice at the end of each episode, which really tries to embody what we have been talking about. Well, Mm -hmm. as we begin, Bridget, let's just look at the issue of healthy boundaries and ask the question, why is it such an important topic?
1: Oh, there's so many reasons, right? I mean, to your point about looking at resilience through the lens of relationship systems, boundaries are all about establishing healthy relationship systems where if we've got good boundaries in place, it actually facilitates deeper connection, but it also facilitates protection. It's like Mm -hmm. connection and protection, right? Yeah. Yeah. Protecting our integrity, our ability to sustain ourselves over time. I mean, and when we don't have those boundaries in place, we suffer. And, uh, you know, there was this workplace report on boundaries by Udemy, and they said that 62% of the managers surveyed felt pressure to put work ahead of meals, of eating, like taking lunch, having dinner, you know, that many said more conversations needed around how do we have workplace boundaries? Because when we don't, we lose where that line is that you were speaking about earlier. So it's so important to our vitality, our sustainability, but to navigating our relationship systems with ease. Yeah, boundaries are critical. Okay, but like let's get our term straight. So, Irvin, what what do we mean by boundaries? Like what's a boundary?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So I think you know the best way to think of a boundary is it's this conceptual limit between ourselves, you and another person. So as I said before, simply put, it's about knowing where I end and you begin. Mm-hmm. It's knowing what's mine and what's yours. And, you know, the reality is that every adult is responsible for establishing their own boundaries. Yeah. And it means, you know, taking responsibility for our own actions and for our emotions. And mm-hmm. and this is where we get into trouble sometimes with boundaries, not taking responsibility for others' actions or others' emotions. Now. This is pretty fluid. It is not an exact science, and it's something that changes from time to time and something we have to negotiate and also renegotiate
1: um, oh, as we move throughout
0: life. So so this is something that we're constantly involved with, and it's, it's at the core, uh, as you said so wonderfully at the beginning, of having healthy relationships.
1: Yeah. You know what just pops into my mind as I was listening to you is I remember a long time ago, I was reading... An article about boundaries and the person used this analogy, right? So let's say you own a large piece of property. You know, your home is situated on several acres, and there's a fence going around, you know, the edge of your property, right? And people start trespassing and walking through it. And you get really annoyed and irritated until you then realize that you used to have that fence was shored up everywhere. But over time, you let it just fall. And there were whole parts of the fence that people could just walk through. There used to be a no trespassing sign that had been kicked over, you know, and the person's point was, if you're not attending to regularly ensuring up your boundaries, right, then you can count on people trespassing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not a one and done conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we know we need to have boundaries we know why they're important we know what they are all right let's talk about what's going on in the brain with with yeah. this right because we know the brain is involved at an instinctual level yep. in boundaries
0: right oh absolutely because you know boundaries are all about keeping us safe and keeping us connected yeah and both of those things are go right back to to our primitive functioning as human beings you know so part of it is we have this amazing internal alert system which lets us know if danger is around and and we are constantly scanning the environment up to 200 times a minute if there anything out there that is a sign of physical danger and if there is of course we take action and part of the boundaries is that basically we shut ourselves off from that danger mm-hmm. however we actually got here as well through cooperating with each other. Yeah. So we have these two two elements which are part of humanity. One is we need to keep ourselves safe, but the part, the other one is we also need to cooperate with other humans because when we cooperate, it also helps to our survival. And so as the brain developed, it also developed um, a higher social brain. And part of that was to let it let us know, when's it safe? When can we begin to interact? Mm -hmm. And so say, for example, when we hear like someone's voice, like a soothing voice or a relaxed and smiling face, uh, we notice some calm gestures, that part of the brain then activates us and say, there's no danger here. And you're able to connect with this person in an emotional level and therefore to feel safe. So Mm -hmm. both of those things are still going on in our brain. Um, the need to feel safe, and the need to be connected.
1: Oh, there's such a balance to be had there, right? Because mm-hmm. we have that deep longing to connect yeah. with people in our biology. But yes. as you are pointing out, we have instinctive needs to feel safe. Yes. And there's this push-pull, right? And so the other thing it kind of reminds me of, and we've talked about this a little bit, is this balance that leaders have to strike between closeness and distance, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Moving in and moving out. Yes. So, speak a little bit about like that for a minute, Urban.
0: Yeah. How will I describe that? You know, so I am I, um, every now and again, I'll find a program that I get a little bit addicted to. And one of those <laughs> programs I found, it's a UK program. My sister said, Oh, you're going to watch it. And it's called Escape to the Chateau. And it's about an English couple who go to France. Hmm. And they find this rundown chateau. They buy it for about three hundred thousand dollars, and of course, they do everything for its upkeep and to renovate it. And you know, and I was just thinking about this topic. It's kind of like you know a chateau, which has this this beautiful front, and it has a moat of water to protect itself, and it has a drawbridge. And the only way you can get in is by mm-hmm. this drawbridge going up and down. I love it. And as human beings, you know, this is this balance that we have. This this balance for closeness and distance. And so at times, you know, the drawbridge is down and we may even go out and welcome people in. And at the other extreme, the drawbridge is up, the door is shut, and we're isolated and we're not connecting with others. Mm. And so, you know, the, the this this interplay is so important that, you know, these questions, when should I open to other people? When should I be closed to other people? And as we said at the beginning, this is not an exact science. When do we need to separate ourselves or draw close? And, of course, when you add in the whole layer of anxiety,
1: Mm -hmm. then it
0: even makes it more difficult. And, you know, we all come from – we all have our own unique personal histories. We have histories in the family system that we go up in, and we have stories around, you know, kind of our own boundaries and boundaries that were set or boundaries that weren't set. And so, therefore, what we have to do is to really – Ask ourselves, when we feel anxious, what are some of the behaviors we notice in ourselves? Mm-hmm. Do we notice ourselves feeling this internal need to draw close? Or do we feel ourselves wanting to separate and step back? Yes. And I think, you know, everyone has a default. And that's part of the noticing, which becomes incredibly important in this action. Because every human being, when they're anxious, are going to go one of two ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're either going to maybe cut off from people, yeah. right? And that drawbridge comes up and nobody's coming in. <laughs> yeah. Or they might go too far the other way. They yeah. let the drawbridge down and a crowd swarms in, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: so that's, you know, I don't know if we've ever used these terms cut off infusion yeah. on any of our episodes, but you know, those are the extremes that we can go to when we're trying Mm -hmm. to navigate relationship systems. And when those systems become anxious, sometimes we get so glommed on to other people, we become emotionally enmeshed with them and we can't lead very well. And then sometimes we go so far the other way we cut off and the boundary is no longer porous. It's no longer allowing us to connect. It's a wall, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So getting these just right is not, you know, such an easy thing, is it?
0: No. You know, Bridget, I'm curious. So like those two terms, fusion and cutoff, what what are some behaviors or what are some things you might notice from those extremes, say, in the workplace or even in our family systems that might be indicators that this is where we've got?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you think about, let's say, a family that's stressed Mm. uh, and anxious, yeah. And what might start to happen is that telephone tag kind of thing going on yeah. where, you know, the mother calls the daughter, the daughter calls the sister, the sister calls, you know, and then this anxious kind of snowballing kind of storytelling thing takes place where everybody starts to be in everybody's business, right? Yeah. And yeah. no one's really thinking. Yeah. And, and then there's somebody in the midst of all that who wants to set a boundary, yeah. Who wants to say, I don't think I should be involved in this conversation, or I'm not sure we should be having these conversations. And do you have the fortitude to do that? Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the same thing happens on teams, you know, mm-hmm. where sometimes uh, I'm thinking of a client I coached this other day, and she had somebody on her team that was so anxious, and he kept texting her in the evenings and on the weekends, Right even about non-emergency or non-urgent things. And she had to set a boundary there while still staying connected to him. And that's, you know, that's the trick, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was thinking as well, you know, um, we're working with a client, you know, a few months ago as well, who their tendency would be towards fusion, which would be entangled. And I can remember, you know, one of the things they were struggling with was, you know, you could just feel the weight of this, their inability to decide, their inability to make a decision because they became so preoccupied mm. about the impact with the other person. Yes. And so they they were so immersed in in, in the, this group of people. It was a very tough decision that had to be made. But the inability to kind of make the decision now and to put it off and just to kind of really regurgitate how it might impact the other people and to to go back and forth and back and forth on that. And, you know, at times in leadership, it means taking a stand and and at times it's it's this ability to see that we become fused and that at times we just have to create a new boundary there.
1: Yeah. So this is reminding me of Friedman's analogy of Mm. cell biology, right? Because as I'm Mm -hmm. listening to you talk about that client, the client has become so emotionally entangled in the group that using the biology of cells, you know, all healthy cells have a very clear boundary wall and a nucleus in the center. That boundary wall allows the cell to maintain its shape mm. and its sense of self without losing itself in other people. So it can join with other people, but it always that cell always knows what its job is. And it yeah. has this core organizing principle. And sometimes as leaders, if our boundary walls are too porous In this example, we become part of like a amalgamated ball of emotional anxiety, right? Where everybody's kind of glommed together, but those cell walls are very collapsed. Yes. And so I think that's such a useful analogy. How can we operate as healthy cells as opposed to viruses, which don't have a core operating principle viruses don't have a nucleus they don't really have cell walls and so they have to glom on to other healthy cells to operate to sustain themselves right so it's 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 a balance of making sure that we are clear about that cell wall and where we begin and end where somebody else begins and ends but still allow connection because it's about connection yeah. And protection. It's about safety and connection. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about, Bridget, as well, is that's constantly being renegotiated. I'm going back to some conversations I've had in the last couple of weeks working with clients, you know, as we emerge from the pandemic. Right. And we're returning to the office. That's right. You know, it's a renegotiation of boundaries. It is, and it's like you know, well, well, what does this mean? And and what's expectations and like my presence and not and and all of this is it's once again. I remember we were we were having this conversation, and I said just, I said maybe you know maybe this is a renegotiation of boundaries. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here we found ourselves in in behaviors for the last two years being remote, and now that's no longer the case. Now we're hybrid and that's a whole different kettle of fish. And we need to talk about that. We need to talk about expectations. We need to talk about uh, roles and and clarity because when there's no clarity, this is where we run into problems.
1: Oh, indeed. And when there's no clarity, that's when we can count on people trespassing our boundaries or we trespass other people's boundaries. And then that gets into producing more anxiety in the relationship system, right? Yes. Okay. So- I bet people listening are like, okay, that sounds great, but like, how do I negotiate these boundaries? How do I establish healthy boundaries? Like, what does that look like? So, yeah. what are some tips you have for folks, Irvin?
0: Well, well, let's let's reuse a word that we've just said there: clarity. Yeah. When we have good boundaries, they they are clear to us and clear to other people. And so when we find ourselves being very vague and using mushy language, yeah. You know, when we're like, don't call me too late. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) You know, for me, um, I'm in bed by nine, so you ain't going to get a phone call. But for other people, you know, that could be 10 or 11 o'clock. So what is the boundary? Yes. You know, I I, I don't want to be disturbed after eight o'clock. You know, what, what? So, so is there clarity around the boundary that's clear, specific, understandable, and expressed? Yeah. And then are we consistent? Because that's the other thing. At times, you know, people are looking for, you know, people are are going to test boundaries. And if they find a, in one testing that that we say something and then the other time we don't, then people say, well, which is it? Is this really? Do they really mean yes. that? So to, be, to have that clarity and then also that consistency is very important. Mm-hmm. And it's only when both of those that people really begin to realize, you know, oh, they're being serious. This really does mean uh, a boundary that I need to respect.
1: Right. I think that's the hardest thing, by the way. Oh. I mean, I haven't even heard your other tips yet. But yeah. for me, it's yes. the consistency because I I can get clear, pretty good at that, you know, and then I'll establish the boundary and sometimes I'll communicate it. And then that consistency is the piece that's the most challenging for me anyways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know I hear you because like it's it's all we love to make exceptions you know so it's Especially kind of uh, for
1: ourselves <laughs> absolutely
0: for ourselves and for our favorite people you know right. well yeah you know so so but this is the problem you know and then kind of then it becomes blurred
1: yeah so may i share a quick example about uh, that please consistency? Yeah. Yeah. so i once coached a leader who decided to establish a boundary because again when you are frustrated or resentful that can be a cue that yep. a boundary has been trespassed, so he was pretty pissed, and it had to do with people showing up late to these uh, weekly executive team meetings. Okay, not everybody, but you know, sometimes a couple people would show up late. He was always prompt, and it just was really ticking him off. And I said, "Well, have you ever communicated that that is a clear expectation, and that when it's violated, that's not okay? That that you know, there's a boundary there, right? We're not going to sit and wait for you." And we're going to start on time and we expect everyone. Okay. He hadn't communicated it. So he did. He said, hey, you know, let's, and he did a good job, you know, for the sake of this and this and this, let's all make an effort to be on time. In the first couple of meetings, everybody was on time. The fourth one, one person was late. They had a good reason, a good exception. And then the one after that, two people were late and he was right back where he was. And he was so angry because he had not and and by the way he didn't do anything to re, to reestablish that boundary he just let it go mm-hmm. and pretty soon people were back to where they were before yes. so his lack of consistent inf- enforcement of it yeah. and his anticipation as you just said that you yeah. will be tested wasn't yes. there yeah Absolutely.
0: so yeah well, following on from that, Bridget, I think what's really important there is is that when we set boundaries, not to take responsibility for how others feel about it. You know, part of what we've talked in, in previous episodes, you know, is this this over functioning which takes on the emotional weight of others, and really good boundary setting is not taking on that emotional weight. Yes. Is that that this boundary makes sense? It's clear, it's consistent, and I can't be responsible if some people don't like it. And, um, and that's difficult because, as we said before, we like to make exceptions. And we can get into you know some great wordsmithing and, and deceive ourselves. But at the end of the day, we can't be responsible for how other people feel about our boundaries.
1: You know what I just had an insight in this moment, which is I hadn't really thought about, we did a whole episode on burnout and we included over-functioning in that, right? Yeah. I hadn't realized until now that over-functioning is an example of kind of a weak boundary, right? Yes. Either yeah. you're intruding on someone else's boundary, yes, and/or they're intruding on yours, or a combination of the two. Yes. And it, it is an it, both an emotional boundary, but sometimes it's like a boundary around. Oh, I'll do that work for you, you know, yes. even though it's yours to do. So yes. that's an interesting way for us to to look at overfunctioning. Is where's the weak boundary? because there's a weak boundary in there somewhere.
0: Absolutely. You know, and just one other final thing I would say and we've kind of talked about it a little bit is that boundaries change. They are not forever. And it's our responsibility to communicate when a boundary's changed. People are not mind readers, and if we have changed a boundary, then we should let people know. I mentioned, you know, I think we're going through in the world of work at the moment a lot of renegotiation around boundaries: what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And I think it's good to have these conversations about, you know, what I, I did say this, but but I've now changed my mind, and I, I want to let people know what the new boundary is.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. those are really good. I guess the what's going through my head right now is the need to communicate our boundaries from a place of calm resolve. Mm. It's, it's so much about like, you can set a boundary that's perfectly appropriately perfectly appropriate, but you do it with so much emotional anxiety. People are like, whoa, you know, they can't even hear the boundary. They're reacting to all the emotion, you know? <sighs> yeah. So the quality of our presence when we communicate a boundary is so critical. The expectation that it will be tested and a willingness to, to hold fast. Yeah. All those are really important.
0: Yeah. I love that last one, you know, because I think at times, I don't know, but I, I know for me is that I do kind of, we, we do tend to personalize. I do. I tend to personalize things. So if someone has violated my boundary, I make all these stories about, but this is a personal thing, etc. And And it's the expectation. This is normal. This is to be expected and it's okay and not to personalize it. And I think by not personalizing, I think it helps us, you know, just be, okay, this was to be expected and I just need to restate with clarity and consistency, what this boundary is.
1: And, you know, it takes a fair amount of courage to do this. I think yeah. we have to mention that, right? Because yeah. we're, we're largely talking about boundaries in the context of our workplace relationships. Yeah. And we would rather, many of us would rather not have to say the boundaries. We'd rather just people understood them magically. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: That would be a lot easier if that was the case. (laughs) Read my my mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, depending on who we're setting the boundary with, like, let's say you you actually need to set a boundary with your boss, with your manager, because they are slacking you, or texting you, or emailing you twenty four seven, and they've gotten into a habit of it. Now that we could do a whole episode on. Yes. But in any rate, it requires a lot of self definition on our part. We have to step back from the emotional pressures that we're feeling and define for ourselves the boundaries that will allow us to both connect powerfully to people and then protect ourselves. And what's kind of paradoxical is the stronger your boundaries are, the healthier your cell wall is, the more powerfully you can connect with other people because you're not leaking on them and they're not leaking into you. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. So are we ready to share a core practice?
0: Yeah, let's do that. I, I want to share two ideas around this, and, and and this is kind of leading on for where we've been before. So the first one is self-awareness, which is one of our core practices. And it's really, what are boundaries for you? What is important? You know, at times, you know, boundaries are an expression of what, what are important to us, our values, what we're willing to fight for. What do we want to preserve? And I think it's good for us to spend some time really thinking about that. Uh, What are my values? Yeah. What are the boundaries that, that come from that? Like that. Yeah. The second practice then is a little pause. We've mentioned about taking a pause, but specifically here, you know, every day we're asked to say yes or no to certain things. And that can just be pro forma and we can get into habits. But part of you know, creating healthy boundaries is sometimes saying yes and sometimes saying no. Mm. And so at times just to take a pause to say, you know, what's being asked of me here? Yeah. And is this, is this in violation of a boundary? Yes. And do I need to renegotiate before I say yes or no? And and I think that's a wonderful practice just to stop and to think what's the consequences of this yes or no?
1: Yes. Because as we've said before, if we don't, inevitably, it leads to resentment because we will experience breakdowns, right? Yes. yes. And, and a lot of what we're talking about is how do we sustain our leadership over time Yes. in anxious workplace settings? I love that you started the whole episode with this notion that, hey, you know, we're returning to the workplace in some form. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of us. In a hybrid, we have to renegotiate our boundaries. So it's yeah. a perfect time for people to think about, all right, you know, what are those values you want to preserve? And what are the boundaries that will help you do that while allowing you still to connect with people in the way that you need to? Yeah. So love that. Okay. So Urban, I think we need to tee up our next episode, don't we?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay, so the title of the next episode is going to be Navigating Workplace Reactivity. And we're going to mm-hmm. talk about three of the most predictable and common reactive patterns that emerge in every anxious family, every anxious team that can really throw us off course, unless, and we'll show you how, you know how to navigate your way through them. So looking forward to having that conversation with you next time, Urban. Me it has too. been Absolutely. a delight as always.
0: always. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Take care, folks.
0: Bye now.